We're going to be preaching on grace this morning by the mercy of God. It's a great subject. You know, the Apostle Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And the more you live as a Christian, the more you see how vile you are within yourself, the more you realize how much you need the grace of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no righteousness outside of Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. Jehovah, our righteousness. As we think about the reign of God and the reign of grace, grace is the unmerited favor of God. You can't merit it. You don't deserve it. We deserve hell. We deserve destruction. But God, because He's a God of mercy and a God of grace, has shined into our hearts His love and grace into our hearts. Peter calls God, uh, and he called is the First Peter five ten. He's called the God of all grace. Says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect or mature, establish, strengthen, settle you. But the point there is the God of all grace. What a beautiful thought. God of all grace. Paul said that we're under grace in Romans chapter 6. He says, what then shall we sin? Because we're under grace, shall we keep on sinning? He says, because we are not under the law, but under grace. He says, God forbid. That word forbid means perish the thought. Don't even think such a thought. God forbid. We don't live in sin because we're under grace, but we love God and we love righteousness, therefore we hate sin. Some people's got the idea it doesn't matter how you live since you're under grace. Beloved, that's a lie from Satan. You know, Paul speaks in Galatians about some of the Christians there being bewitched by Satan. And I believe today we have many in our congregations who have been bewitched by the devil. They've been Stigmatized. They don't really see reality. They're in a, they're in a trance almost like today. And we see the world. The world doesn't know reality. They live in a trance. They live in a make-believe world that won't face the truth. Jesus said, you should know the truth and truth shall set you free. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. It's not by works we are saved. We're saved by the grace of God. But according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It wasn't given you when you believe. You believe because it was given to you in glory. See, some people want to get the cart before the horse. They say, if you'll do something, God will do something. No, you do something because God does something. He makes the first move. And when He makes a move, you will move. No ifs and ands about it. When he speaks, you move. When he calls, you come. Oh, beloved, I'm glad that God is the one who gives the grace of God to his people. Was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So when did grace begin? From everlasting to everlasting. He speaks about in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 about the exceeding riches of his grace. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding 
riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through who? Jesus Christ. You want to see the grace of God? Look to Calvary. You want to see the grace of God? Look at Christ hanging on the cross. You want to see God's love? Look at Calvary. You want to see the grace of God bestowed in salvation? Look at Calvary. Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you save what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There is where it was won. There is where I was saved by the grace of God. There is where I was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Another wonderful thought about this in Hebrews 7.20 says, Wherefore He is able to save them to the uttermost. Who? Jesus Christ. That come unto God by Him. How do we come unto God? By Jesus Christ. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercessions for them. He's continually at this very moment interceding for you and I. Sometimes don't you feel, well, no one really cares about me. No one, no one seems to care. I'm all by myself. No, you're never alone. Jesus is always interceding on our behalf in glory. What a wonderful thought. He says in Hebrews, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. That word negative is three negatives. Never, never, never leave, leave, leave you. You say, why did the Holy Spirit use three negatives to to get into our hard minds up here that God will never, never, never leave us? I said, hallelujah. I'm glad that because I need it sometimes to be repeated to me. God will never leave his people, leave his children. The riches of God's grace. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood. We sang about the blood this morning. Redemption is through the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no forgiveness without blood. God didn't just blink an eye and overlook our sins. Jesus shed His blood. God accepted that sacrifice. And He forgave us on behalf of Jesus Christ. That's why our sins are forgiven. We don't deserve forgiveness. Jesus bought it and paid for it, and God accepted that sacrifice. So he's satisfied. Propitiation. Our sins have been covered by the mercy and blood of Christ. What a wonderful thought. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, Paul speaks in Ephesians 3 about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Remember the day Brother Dave got up before the church and quoted the whole book of Ephesians. I know I will still remember that day. That was a blessing. That was a blessing. Verse by verse and word by word, he went through the whole book of Ephesians. That was a wonderful time. I know he enjoyed, enjoyed God blessing and gave him the ability to do that. The riches of his grace. The first thing we see, what, where does uh, grace begin? It begins in our election. Paul said in Romans chapter 11, verse 5, Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. God didn't look down through time and see you would do something so he elected you. That wouldn't be of grace. That would be of debt. That's debt. But God said it's of grace, which we're going to see here. And if by grace, then it's no more of works, or otherwise grace is no more grace. Beloved, it's either by grace or works. You can't mix it. And there's people today preaching salvation by works. And I'm grateful that there's some of us preaching salvation by grace. Now we believe in works, not for salvation, but because of salvation. We've been ordained into good works. Not to gain heaven, but because we, we've we been saved and washed and cleansed in the blood and given the love of God and that love is shed abroad in our hearts. And we won't obey Him because He's our Father. 
We love him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we see, if by grace, then it's no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace, otherwise work is no more works. So you must settle in your mind this morning, salvation is by the grace of God alone, without works. Paul says, not by the works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's how we're saved, beloved. What did you have to do with that? Nothing. Nothing. That's one hymn writer says, nothing in my hands I bring. Open hands. Nothing. Nothing. By the grace of God. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we're bound to give thanks our way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. I tell you, beloved, that's a wonderful phrase that we are called the beloved of God. The beloved. He loves us. He loved us from eternity. I love you. Love you with an everlasting love. We can't comprehend eternity. He's from eternity to eternity. There's no beginning, no ending with God. God is everywhere present and nowhere absent. That omnipotent God has loved you and I forever and forever and forever and forever. And he manifests that to us in time. Beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Oh, beloved, thank God that you were regenerated and gave them the truth of the Word of God that you could put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation says in verse chapter 17, verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. I want you to remember one thing this morning. He is still Lord of lords and King of kings. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what the world is doing, no matter how wicked the world is, He's still on the throne and He's over all. He's the Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called the chosen and faithful. That's what I want to be. I want to be the faithful, chosen and faithful. That's one of the marks of a true child of God. What? Faithfulness, chosen and faithful. You say, how can I know if I'm a child of God? Well, you can say, I was chosen. But are you faithful? Are we being faithful to the Lord? That's the key test. Are we being faithful? We all have to ask ourselves that question. That's where I said this morning, Satan has many people bewitched today. They're bewitched in a delusion of Christianity. We're justified by grace. Romans 3.24 says, Being justified, being acquitted freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're justified, Paul says in Romans, by the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the debt. He removed the guilt. He removed the penalty. We're free. We're free from sin. Hallelujah. That's why John says in John 5.24, it's a beautiful verse when you think about what it means. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, you hear the word of God, and believeth on him that sent me, notice this, he hath everlasting life, and he shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Beloved, everyone who has believed shall not come into condemnation. Why? Because we was translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, their son. We're different now. We're different. God has 
put a change in us. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. We have the love of God shall have brought in our hearts. Oh, thank God for that. And shall not come into condemnation. You know, sometimes we fear the judgment is coming. Beloved, a child of God doesn't have to fear the coming judgment because there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Redemption is by grace. Paul says in Ephesians 1.7, remember, redemption is to buy back out of the slave yard. We were servants of sin. We were enslaved to sins. We were in bondage to the devil. And the Lord came and paid the price and bought us out of the slave market. We've been bought out. The Greek word there means never to return again, Roger. We're not going back into the slave market anymore. I've been set free. We free slaves. Hallelujah. By the grace of God. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. Believing is by the grace of God. Some people want to take credit for believing, but that's only by the grace of God. Acts 18.27 says that when He was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive Him, who, when He was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. How did they believe? Through grace. Through grace. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. They say any man should boast, I did it, Lord, I did it. You know, you died for me, but if I hadn't did my part, I wouldn't be here. Oh, beloved, we won't be saying anything like that. We'll be giving God all the glory, all the praise, all the glory belongs to the Lord. To Him be the glory. And in our Christian life, as we, as we grow as a Christian, as you live the Christian life, you realize as we live upon the Lord, you need grace to live the Christian life. We need not just grace to save us, we need grace to keep us. You know, you can't keep yourself. The more you try to keep yourself, the more you realize how weak and insufficient you are in yourself to keep yourself. And that's to bring us down to nothing that we realize we need the Lord for everything. Not just to save us eternally, but to save us there in this world. Now it reminds us of the Apostle Paul. The 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, And he said unto me, the Lord speaking to Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and he was complaining about it, and he went to the Lord and prayed about it. And the Lord said, Now Paul... My grace is sufficient for your weakness. Now, what is your weakness this morning? And my weakness, the Lord has said the same thing to you and I. Child of God, my strength is able to strengthen you in your weakness. And we all have our weaknesses. Anyone here thinks you don't have them, you're ready for a fall. Pride comes before a fall. Beloved, we all stand in need of God's strength daily. Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, when I'm going through these trials, the power of Christ is upon me. I, I can sense his glory, his strength, his enduring presence with me. I enjoy that. Don't take it away. I want to feel the power of Christ in my life. Now, sometimes you say, why do we suffer? Why do we go through trials that we may experience the, the keeping grace of God? He wants to teach us personally that He can keep us by His grace. What a wonderful thought that is. 
And this makes us think about in the book of Hebrews, he's our high priest. He's the high priest over the house of God. He sympathizes with his children. It says in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Now he wasn't tempted with sin, but he was tempted with temptations. He was tempted to lie. He was tempted to act independent of God. Command the stone to become bread. See, he was trying to get Jesus to act independent of his father. You can do these things. Go ahead and do it. Jump off the temple. He'll send his angels come. He was trying to get him to act independent of God. He was tempted. But there was nothing in Christ to lead him to sin. He was holy, harmless, without sin, without blemish, and without spot. Hallelujah. That was our Savior. But you and I, we can be tempted. And one wonderful thing is when we're tempted and we fail, many times in your Christian life you fail. You sin. In plain English, we sin against God. God says, during those times of our lives, come to me, all you that have a laden, and I will give you rest. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do we need to do when we sin? We need to confess it. The word confess means what? To agree. That Greek word means to agree. Lord, I agree with you. I'm wrong. You're right. I'm confessing this sin. I'm confessing my wrong. And I pray that you'll forgive me for Christ's sake. That's what we need to do when we sin. Sin has to be dealt with. And when we don't deal with sin, then God deals with us as fatherly chastisement. Now, the Lord can deal with us. Sometimes we think we get away with things. that We, we just continue putting our head in the sand, thinking it'll go away. But, beloved, God will bring you to judgment. Mark my word. God will bring you to judgment. He will bring me to judgment. When we sin against God and we willingly go down that path, then we can get ready to feel God's chastising rod. It's coming. There's no escaping it. And that's why we need to warn one another, Paul says in the book of Hebrews, daily, because sin hardens the heart. It hardens the heart. You sin this day, it comes a little easier. You sin the next time, it's a little easier. You sin the third time, the fourth time, pretty soon, you don't even think about it because the heart is hardening. Oh, beloved, sin is a horrible thing. It's public enemy number one to the Christian. Sin. S-I-N. And what's right in the middle of sin? I. I. I say that because salvation is by the grace of God. But beloved, we don't want to abuse the grace of God as Christians. And he says in 1 Peter 1.5, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We're kept by the power of God. Who is the power of God? Jesus Christ. He's called the wisdom of God and the power of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, people say, well, if I believed in grace the way you did, we can just live like we want. Well, what does grace teach us? Now, grace keeps us. Grace saves us. It washes from our sins, but it also teaches. Well, what does grace teach? Now, here's where I want you to ask yourself, have I really been taught the grace of God in my own heart? In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Now, what does grace teach us? That denying ungodliness. If there's any ungodliness in our life, we need to deny it. It's our responsibility as the disciples of Jesus Christ. 
and worldly lust. We need to deny worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly, not in the next world, in this present world. Now, if we're not doing that, we have no reason to think that we're a child of God. We have no grounds. You say, well, I made a decision 20 years ago. Maybe it was a false decision. How do you know you're a child of God? We only know that we're a child of God when we're walking in the light as He is in the light and He's manifesting Himself to us. And I believe we can also know by His chastisements. But beloved, it's, grace does not teach us to sin. Grace teaches us to deny sin. That's one thing I want you to get across in your mind. So many people today think, well, I'm saved. It doesn't matter how I live. Yes, it does. If the tree falls, so shall it lie, it says in the book of Revelation. Beloved, True grace makes a difference in a person's walk in life. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with their profession. Remember, it teaches us to deny. The word deny means to abandon. You are to abandon ungodliness, worldly lust, and we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And beloved, that's how we should be living. I just wanted to bring that out because so many people say, well, if I believe in the grace like the Baptist do, I would just live like I want. No, you wouldn't. Not if you've been taught by Jesus. Not if you've been taught by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us inwardly to deny sin, to deny. That doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. Don't misunderstand me here. And Satan's always on the, on the lookout to drag us into sin. He wants to tempt us and draw us. And once you get into sin, it's hard to get out. You say, well, I'll just repent and get away, and walk away from it. It doesn't work that way. God has to grant repentance. And God has to give you repentance. You can't do it on your own. You couldn't do it before the grace of God gave you repentance. And even after you're saved by the grace of God, unless God gives you repentance, you still can't repent. You need His giving you that repentance. That's why it's a danger for any of us not to be obedient to the Lord. He says in Ephesians 4.20, But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard Him, and I've been taught by Him that the truth is in Jesus. If you've been taught by Jesus, you will deny worldly lust and ungodliness. What was one of the first things Jesus taught His disciples? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny, abandon yourself. I'm to be first in your life. Who's to be first in your life? Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife. No. Jesus is to be first in our life. God is to be first in our life. And sometimes we have to make decisions that are hard to make. We may have to make decisions going to hurt a father. It may hurt your mother. It may go against your wife. It may go against your husband. It may go against your boyfriend, girlfriend. It can be anything. But you've got to realize that we are obligated as God's people, as God's disciples, to put Him first in our life. Why? Because of the grace of God. I don't want to abuse the grace. We're debtors to grace, not to sin. Oh, beloved, let us love the Lord Jesus as we all. We have good hope through grace. And what is hope? Hope is a confident expectation of a future good. I'm looking forward to the hope of the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. Now, Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, who hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. 
Without grace, you can't even have hope. It's grace that gives us hope. He says, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. He says in Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Beloved, the, the world looks at us as sheep and they want to slaughter us. That's how they think about us. The world hates Jesus and they hate us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm glad that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. 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 Not even we ourselves. Somebody said, well, we're in the Father's hand and... And, and he said, he's keeping us. And the one person said, well, I can jump out. No, we can't jump out. We're in there forever. Hallelujah. I remember when I was a young Christian. And we was reading and there was a group of us in a discussion. And we were talking about, can you be saved today and lost tomorrow? Falling from grace. One side said, oh yeah, if you don't live for the Lord, you fall from grace. And the other said, oh no, no, once you're saved, you're saved forever. So I went home. I didn't know which one was right. I said, Lord, lead me to some scriptures to encourage me. What is the truth about this situation? And he read me to Romans 8.35, what I just read, to verse 39. I said, that's, I went back to the church that next Sunday. I opened my Bible. I read those verses. And I said, now that settles it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. God said it, and I believe it. You guys believe what you want. <laughs> I'm going to believe the word of God. So that was, uh, and I was about 20-something years old then. But I remember that. Even today. We have a throne of grace, beloved, we go to. And I'll tell you something. I have to go every day to the throne of grace. Sometimes every, every hour. The older you get, the more you realize how sinful you are. How much you need the grace of God. And that's why this verse here means so much to me. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace, not mer not judgment. We're not coming before God to be judged. We're coming before God for mercy. What do you need when you're a sinner? You need mercy. You need forgiveness. You need His love. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. Mercy is for who? Sinners. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the good good people, the righteous people. I come to call sinners to repentance. We got a lot of people walking around today like a peacock. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, I've arrived. I'm it. I'm holy. You know, don't get too close to me. You might come off on me. Some of that filth. They think they're so righteous in themselves. The Pharisees were like that. The Sadducees, they thought they were so righteous. He said, I didn't come to call them. I come to call sinners. True repentance. Unless you say yourself a sinner, you don't have any hope. Sinners is who he died for. Sinners is whom he seeks. Sinners is whom he saves. Hallelujah. I fed all three of those. Grace whereby we may serve him. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably 
with reverence and godly fear. What do we need grace for? That we may serve God acceptably. I want to be, you know, one day the Lord's going to come. He's going to say to you and I, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Isn't that your prayer? It should be our prayer. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, beloved, and we all come short. Don't misunderstand me this morning. It's by grace we're saved. It's by grace we stand. It's by grace we're kept. It's by grace we're forgiven. If it wasn't for the forgiving mercy of God, would none of us make it. In ourselves, we're still sinners. Outside the grace of God, our righteousness is filthy rags. We have no works that are good enough to earn heaven. Only by Jesus Christ and His righteousness can we plead anything. In Revelation twenty-two twenty-one, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What a beautiful thought. The grace of who? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. And in closing, I just want to say a few things of what grace has saved us from. I want you to think about this morning what you've been saved from. First of all, you've been saved from sin. Matthew one twenty one, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. You've been saved this morning from sin and sins, plural. Every sin and all the sins that you've ever committed were cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So be thankful this morning to give glory to God. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me for Christ's sake and forgiving me for all my sins. We've been saved from condemnation in Adam. In Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We're no longer condemned in Adam. We're justified in Jesus Christ. God sees us in Christ. He sees us in Christ. We've been saved from the law. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. We were under the curse of the law in Adam, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. But God sees us in Christ, and Christ bore our curse in His body on the tree. There's no curse upon us. No curse. Hallelujah. From the wrath to come. There's a lot of people today, they don't fear the wrath of God is to come. First Thessalonians 1.10 says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. There's a wrath of God coming to judge this wicked world. Beloved, when it falls, it's going to be, it's going to be beyond anything you can imagine. When the heavens and the skies open up and, and, and the great white throne judgment takes place and God casts the death and hell and all the wicked into the lake of fire, Gehenna, where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth forever and forever and they, and they are consumed by God, the wrath of God. That's the day, beloved, you need, we need to thank God that we will not never face is the wrath of God. And why? Because of Jesus. He bore that for us. Another thing God has delivered us from, it says, in, it's from temptation. 
Second Peter 2 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. You don't know how many times God has delivered us from temptations we're not even aware of. From the present evil world, Galatians 1 4 says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. There's a lot of things in this world we've been delivered from every day. Paul says about every evil work, 2 Timothy 4.18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The reason we're going to be in heaven is because he's preserving us at this very moment. It says in Jude 1 that we were preserved and called in Jesus Christ. We were preserved in, by God's grace before we were ever called in regeneration. Satan would love to kill us if he could have. But he couldn't kill us because we were preserved. We were kept by God until the day he saved us by his grace and washed us from our sins and cleansed us from everything. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. Colossians 1.13 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of of His dear Son. I'm glad to be in that kingdom this morning. You are there by faith. It's faith. Beloved, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We stand by faith. And by faith we look to God for deliverance. In the last verse he says in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. Are you grateful this morning for what God has delivered you from? Be thankful. You know, one of the marks in, in the book of uh, Romans, what was it They they there was one of the marks in Romans 1? They became unthankful. And they turned into very vile wickedness, all type of vile wickedness in Romans 1. I won't even mention it in the mixed congregation. It's just wickedness, Romans chapter 1. God gave him over to a reprobate mind. And we see this happening into America today. We see it all over the world. The world has been given over to a reprobate mind. Beloved, we are living in perilous times. If I exhort you to do anything, stay close to God. Stay confessed up. Confess your sins daily. You need someone to talk to. Brother Dave is always willing to talk. Brother Roger, myself... Any of you need counseling or want to just share anything with us, you feel free anytime. If I need you, I'll call you. We're not beyond help either. We all have temptations. We all have trials. We all need someone to pray. I have a sermon I was going to thought about preaching this morning. It's called The Congregation and Her Pastor. Congregation and Her Pastor. Do you realize your responsibility to your pastor? I may preach that in a few weeks the Lord, if the Lord leads me. But you have a grave responsibility upon our lives and our preaching and our service. May we pray in closing. Father, we thank you for this morning. Pray that you bless the grace of God in our hearts and help us to be kept by the grace of God, deliver us by the grace of God, and one day we'll see Jesus face to face because of the grace of God. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Someone have a song in closing.